Welcome to the Alger Podcast. Important information about this ETF. This ETF is different from traditional ETFs. Traditional ETFs tell the public what assets they hold each day. This ETF will not. This may create additional risks for your investments. Specifically, you may have to pay more money to trade the ETF's shares. This ETF will provide less information to traders who tend to charge more for trades when they have less information. The price you pay to buy ETF shares on an exchange may not match the value of the ETF's portfolio. The same is true when you sell shares. These price differences may be greater for this ETF compared to other ETFs because it provides less information to traders. These additional risks may be even greater and better on certain market conditions. The differences between this ETF and other ETFs may also have advantages. By keeping certain information about the ETF confidential, this ETF may face less risk than other traders can predict or copy its investment strategy. This may improve the ETF's performance if other traders are able to copy or predict the ETF's investment strategy. However, this may hurt the ETF's performance. For additional information regarding the unique attributes and risks of this ETF, please refer to the prospectus. Hello, I'm Alex Bernstein, and you're listening to the Alger Podcast, Investing in Growth and Change. As many investors know, earlier this year, Alger launched its very first ETF product, the Alger Midcap 40 ETF, managed by portfolio manager Amy Zen. Recently, we launched our second ETF, the Alger 35 ETF, which is a focused best ideas portfolio managed by Alger Chief Investment Officer and Portfolio Manager Dan Chung. And here today to talk with me about Alger 35 is Dan Chung. Dan, it's great to have you back on the Alger podcast. Thanks, Alex. Dan, just to start off, can you give us an overview of what the Alger 35 strategy is and how you manage it? So Alger 35 is a best ideas portfolio where I look across all of the research and ideas of our analysts and portfolio managers and try to determine what are our highest conviction ideas, where we have the most differentiated research and insights, and also what provides as stocks the best risk reward for the current market environment, and try to focus the portfolio on what we think of as classic Alger stocks. I've always been driving our analysts and portfolio managers as they apply our investment philosophy to think of what are the names that have the strongest fit with the core of our philosophy of either strong high growth or very strong life cycle change factors and not ignore, but realize that, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the, in the, in between that's, that may be interesting. So the range of ideas that we're looking at, and in particular, because Alger 35, I want to be an all cap strategy, not simply large cap stocks. There are a lot of really interesting high conviction, mid cap and small cap ideas that of course simply can't make it into the portfolio given the number uh, limitation. Given the size limitation, is it difficult to get a mix of mid and small cap names in there? Well, it's just tough in terms of there's a lot of ideas across the firm and getting down to some really strong mid and small cap ideas is difficult. I think small cap in particular, when we think there's sort of an alignment of attractive risk reward, a strong interest in a theme that the small cap stock might represent, So small cap probably has by far the highest barriers to get into the portfolio. Dan, one thing I wanted to touch on before we go any further is the significance of the number 35 itself. Can you talk a little bit about that? So there's a lot of significance around 35. Um, That represents the number of Alger colleagues and friends we lost on September 11th, 20 years ago. 
And so the fund is definitely named in their honor and memory. And we're also doing something special with it in that we're donating a percentage of our management fees to charities. We've been very active in charities for a long time, um, but it particularly uh, accelerated after September 11th. We are certainly supporting charities that were either favorites of or some actually created in memory of our lost colleagues. So that's one key group. But also over the years, Alter has employee-run charitable committee, and we have focused on other issues, social justice, relief of student debt for nurses, and other issues, environmental issues. And so, you know, I expect the charitable donations from Alger 35 to continue to support the range of charities that Alger supports. Dan, I wanted to discuss some of the themes that you're focused on. I know that digital transformation has been a big theme across a lot of Alger strategies for quite some time now. Is that reflected in this portfolio as well? Uh, it certainly is. The leading technology companies are helping businesses transform their operations and their processes to digital-based ones. And it is also a digital business transformation for retail, not only from brick and mortar to their website, but internally, how they uh, manage their business, how they market their business, how they serve their customers is all transforming to digital and online processes rather than the traditional ones. And so a lot of the companies that we invest in are some of the leaders in those transformations. Another theme within the portfolio is the emergence of online sports betting and gambling. So we identified that opportunity very early and have investment in Alger 35 and one of the leaders in that space. So, you know, that trend, of course, is a digital and online trend across every subsector of our economy, our personal lives, the adoption of digital technology essentially is changing how we do almost everything. I would say one of the stronger trends within the portfolio is in the consumer and payments area where there's been a lot of change driven by COVID in terms of the adoption of mobile payments. And also with those payment platforms, consumers potentially changing their financial relationships from traditional banks to new providers of financial services. And so I think that's actually one of the biggest opportunities in the financial services sector and one of the biggest changes that we see occurring. I know you also consider the current reopening of the economy a theme unto itself within the strategy. Now that things are beginning to significantly shift in the economy, is it difficult to identify which companies will have long-term legs when you know that things might be very different in six months? Well, that's a great question. I mean, one of the biggest challenges right now is companies that benefited from COVID, what will their growth rates be in the second half of this year and as, they, you know, as we sort of normalize in 2022? That debate is one where we spend a lot of time researching the fundamentals of industries, the competitive positioning of the companies that we follow, and you know, also what are the underlying trends long and short term that benefit them or hurt them. So, you know, remains to be seen, but we're pretty confident that with the deep research team that we have and the experience that we have, you know, we believe we have a good idea of what will remain strong growth trends, both during the reopening and after it. You know, the simplest example I could give up is, you know, we, we do have some direct consumer plays that uh, benefit from the reopening and our high growth. 
uh, that can simply be looked at as you know there are market opportunity in size. So, for example, in the restaurant industry, with literally tens of thousands of restaurants that probably went out of business during COVID, uh, many of which will never come back. The opportunity actually is that for publicly traded restaurant and, and companies that service that industry, we believe the publicly traded players are better financed and better capable uh, of taking advantage post-COVID into the recovery of a combination of factors that actually would be quite favorable for them, including probably lower real estate rental costs because of landlords pressured to basically cut rates in order to try to fill now empty spaces. Two, less competition from independent privates that went out of business. Three, given the still relatively weak state of the economy, unlikely that they'll be facing the traditional startup restaurant pressure. But on the flip side, four, because they're public and most that have continued to invest in their business actually during this period, they've, they've actually successfully increased the takeout and delivery portion of their businesses and are now very well set up as restaurant, physical restaurants can reopen to actually um, grow well beyond what uh, they had been expected to grow before COVID. So um, it's an interesting situation in the restaurant industry. And then finally, of course, I guess I should have noted probably one of the things that is most likely to return to normal most quickly is, I think, dining out at restaurants. You know, I think there's other issues with high-end business travel, international travel, where other countries' um, situation still looks tenuous, and even uh, businesses that are highly dependent on employees working from offices and commuting as opposed to remote work. Uh, but the consumer-driven restaurant business to us looks extremely interesting and very attractive right now. Dan, I know that Alger analysts and portfolio managers are now reviewing their companies with a greater focus on ESG, or environmental, social, and governance, considerations. Can you tell me how you take ESG into consideration with this strategy? So ESG principles have been integrated across Alger's investment research for a couple of years now, uh, which means that every company that we follow we regularly review both their third-party ratings in terms of sustainability, governance, and social factors, as well as our own analysts and portfolio managers conduct research and interviews with companies, experts, and others to assess a company's position, uh, both with respect to its industry, but also on an absolute basis with respect to environmental, social, and governance factors. So with respect to this strategy, we are, I would say, ESG-aware as we're investing across Alger. So with the U.S. President Biden re-engaging with the climate accord and the infrastructure bills that are pending, we're quite optimistic that the growth that we've seen in renewable energy, for example, in sustainable business practices is not only going to continue, but potentially is going to accelerate dramatically. Uh, so one example, actually, is we have some significant exposure to solar energy companies within the portfolio, where we believe solar is clearly one of the leading solutions to climate change. Uh, and at the same time, it's actually also a cost efficiency in terms of energy at this point, uh, having reached in many places parity or even less uh, below parity in terms of cost with traditional oil, coal and other sources of electricity. So, you know, we see solar energy actually as a high growth industry for uh, decades to come. I, I would say that's an example of one of the stronger themes where we've invested part of uh, Alger 35. Dan, my final question. 
I know it's been a long year, year and a half now for you as both a portfolio manager as well as chief investment officer at Alger. How do you personally relax? I mean, have you been able to unwind at all? Well, I have to say it's actually challenging. In the, it's interesting. The, a lot of surveys would suggest that people really like remote work and think that they're more efficient. But there are other surveys that would suggest that a lot of people are actually quite burned out by remote work. Um, they have a harder time distinguishing between, you know, when to shut off working and when to when to have personal time. You know, I've tried to tried to find some time off. Uh, I think, uh, like a lot of Americans, apparently, um, I, well, I didn't have to go out and buy a bike. I've been a big cyclist. Um, right now, by the way, there's a shortage in cycles. Nobody can get any bikes, it would appear. Um, so I've done a little bit more cycling than normal, uh, which is kind of nice. But frankly, other than that, uh, I've been working pretty nonstop. Dan, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Thanks, Alex. Great talking to you. And thank you for listening. For more information on the Alger 35 ETF and for more of our latest insights, please visit alger.com. The views expressed to the views of Fred Alger Management LLC, FAM, and its affiliates as of May 2021. These views are subject to change at any time and may not represent the views of all portfolio management teams. These views should not be interpreted as a guarantee of the future performance of the markets, any security, or any funds managed by FAM. These views are not meant to provide investment advice and should not be considered a recommendation to purchase or sell securities. Risk disclosures. This fund is an actively managed ETF that does not seek to replicate the performance of a specified index. The fund does not provide daily disclosure of its portfolio holdings, but instead provides a verified intraday indicative value VIIV calculated and disseminated every second throughout the trading day. The VIV is designed to be a highly correlated per share value of the underlying portfolio, but there is a risk that market price of the fund may vary significantly from its NAV. The VIV calculation methodology and a historical daily comparison of the fund's VIV to its NAV is available on Alger.com. The fund trading on the basis of a VIV may trade at a wider bid-ask spread than ETFs that publish their portfolios on a daily basis, especially during periods of market disruption or volatility, and therefore may cost investors more to trade. Although the fund seeks to benefit from keeping its portfolio information secret, market participants may attempt to identify a fund's trading strategy, which, if successful, could result in such market participants engaging in certain predatory trading practices that may have the potential to harm the fund and its shareholders. The fund's shares trade in the secondary market on the NYSE ARCA Inc. and therefore may experience associated risks such as the potential lack of an active market for fund shares, losses from trading in secondary markets, periods of high volatility, and disruptions in the creations and or redemption process of the funds. Any of these factors may cause the fund's share to trade at a premium or discount to NAV. Creation and redemptions in the fund occur through an agent called an AP representative who is not obligated to engage in creations or redemptions. The fund may have a limited number of AP representatives, and if AP representatives are not able to proceed with creations and or redemptions, the fund shares may trade at a discount to NAV and possibly face trading halts and or delisting, and investors could experience significant losses as a result. Investing in the stock market involves risks, including the potential loss of principal. Growth stocks may be more volatile than other stocks as their prices tend to be higher in relation to their company's earnings and may more sensitive to market political and economic developments. A significant portion of assets will be invested in technology and healthcare companies, which may be significantly affected by competition, innovation, regulation, and product obsolescence, and may be more volatile than the securities of other companies. Investments in the consumer discretionary sector may be affected by domestic and international economies, 
consumers' disposable income, consumer preferences, and social trends. Industrial companies may be impacted by supply and demand for their products, government regulations, technological developments, and government spending. Investing in companies of small and medium capitalizations involves the risk that such issuers may have limited product lines or financial resources, lack management depth, or have limited liquidity. The fund is classified as a non-diversified fund under federal securities laws because it can invest in fewer individual companies than a diversified fund. Assets may be focused in a small number of holdings, making them susceptible to risks associated with a single economic, political, or regulatory event than a more diversified portfolio. Active trading may increase transaction costs, brokerage commissions, and taxes, which can lower the return on investment. Please visit alger.com for additional risk disclosures. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.